coming at you. Hey now, it's the weekend. It's payday. It's time to grab a beer. It's Brewing Company. Roll the open. Today I was thinking, I'm either in the mood for a beer or standing in traffic. How'd the game go for me last night? I almost died. I was praying prayers I've never prayed before. She actually blind? Not blind, but she can't see. Is anyone else aroused or is that just me? Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back. 53rd episode, Bruin Company. Uh, I am Matt Brubaker. We've got uh, Tyler Reed. We've got Chris Shepner. And I've got a returning co-host today. And that is my good buddy from Ashland University, Joe Horn. Uh, I think the last time, Joe, that you were on, you clarified very quickly that it was not the Joe Horn that played for the Saints. And I made a point of letting everyone know that this is the Joe Horn that played for the Colts. So we'll introduce and say hello to Joe first. Joe, welcome back in, my friend. Thanks for having me, Bruno. It's uh, happy to be here. I'm somewhere I'll be a, a good uh, sports quiz question. The other Joe Horn. So I always, always have to clarify wherever I go. <laughs> the other Joe Horn. I feel bad that Joe is here today, not because I didn't want to see him. But I think it's it's because Ohio State lost. And if you guys haven't listened to the episode when Joe was on before, he played football at Ashland. And we got to know each other pretty well there. Uh, great guy, great player, great coach. And he just he knows football better than the three of us. So we're not going to sit here and act like we know how to fix it. So I just figured I'd bring in someone that I trust that might have an idea. So. Uh, Joe, it's great to have you back. I love the jersey, by the way. And since we're talking clothes, let me see if I can get this into the shot really quick. Uh, I got a new shirt, too, by the way. Joe got a new jersey. Brew got a new shirt. So let me let me show you this. I might even throw it up on the IG and the Twitter machine so everyone can see my new expensive shirt. You like that? Make OSU great again. I think that's a very simple message. I think a lot of people would write me in for a president. I don't know, kids. I I should say this very quickly and early on before, Shep, we open our beers. I think I have to take partial blame for the loss. You guys made your predictions first, and I was like, oh, man, that, that sounds good. I'll have that, like in Dumb and Dumber. And, and I went against something that I always stand on, and that is being a sports pessimist. And I got my hopes up, and maybe I got your hopes up too, because everyone knows Bruce coming in low and under the radar. So I think part of why we lost is on me, and I will own that, unlike Jim Harbaugh. And I also think that another part of it is because since I've moved into this house, we have not beaten Michigan. So I'm seriously contemplating moving. I know that might be an extreme measure, so maybe next year I just watch at someone else's house. But that's in my head. I'm thinking about selling the house. So if well, anyone's looking, just let me know. I, I did. I sold my house. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's off the table. That's I'm also in a new table. house, bro. What's that? You got a new house. Everybody's getting it. Tyler got a new house. Chef got a new house. Joe got a new house. I'm the I'm the senior of the group. I've been here for almost three years. But I, is it all of our faults <laughs> or is it just mine? <laughs> uh, it, that's funny. We all have new houses and we're still on the same struggle bus. But I, I wish I wasn't on record being so optimistic. And, and Tyler mentioned he had this funny feeling. I had a funny feeling too, but I think I realized mine was just gas. 
That's all mine was. So I apologize to anyone out there that got excited because they heard for really the first time ever on the podcast that Brew was excited. Um, I do want Joe's opinion and his thoughts on maybe Kyle McCord as a quarterback, the offense and the play calling, and maybe what's next. So, Joe, that that's where you're going to shine, so I'll, I'll let you know that. Um, I told Tyler and Shep that we're going to let it rip, unlike Ryan Day. But what I'm going to do this year, unlike last year, is I'm not going to get any uh, potential girlfriends or their families mad at me. Because as much as I care about Ohio State football, the outcome of all their games, and especially beating scum, I, I was so upset and so sad and so lifeless, really, on Saturday after the game. I sat in the basement for an hour with all the lights off and just sat on the couch not knowing where to go or what to do with my life. And I, I just didn't have a good day. I'll mention how I got through the rest of the day and thank a couple of people on, on how I powered through. But this is a, in all seriousness, and I'm not trying to be funny. This is something that actually happened, and it was very scary at the time. I went to church on Sunday morning because there's no excuses. You go to church on Sundays. And if I'm being honest, I really wasn't the most checked in. Uh, I was there. I was taking my notes. I was paying attention, but I was I just wanted to go home. I wanted to go to lunch with my mom and see my dad for a little bit, come home, watch my fantasy football team. We'll talk about that as well. But right after the sermon was over and right after the final prayer, they invited us all to stand up for the last song. And we all did. That's that's commonplace at our church. And I don't know why, but I, I noticed this gentleman, probably 10 rows in front of me, still sitting down. Didn't think anything of it. Maybe he was older, didn't have the energy, or maybe just wasn't feeling well. And then I saw a gentleman run back towards the, the exit door, which I sit towards the end, or I'm sorry, towards the back and on an end or an aisle seat. And I was like, that guy's running way too fast just for like spilled coffee. And then I saw him come back and I saw a couple other people kind of doing the, the peering over to see what was going on. This gentleman was still sitting down. And then I saw a couple of our safety people approach this gentleman. And then I saw a gentleman from our safety team on crutches flying down the aisleway to get to this guy. Since I sat on the aisle, I just had a better view of everything that was going on. And I just saw two men carry this gentleman out. And I truly thought he had passed away. Now, I can report good news. I already told Shep and Tyler this. I found out from one of our pastors he's doing well. Uh, I think he he left in an ambulance. I don't know if he went to the hospital, but he's doing well. And that's the good news of the story. But I was so overwhelmed by that. And then I also realized that Sunday, this is when it all happened, that that was also the two-year anniversary of the, the really good friend of mine, a tailgate neighbor who passed away from pancreatic cancer. That was the day he passed away. And it was just too much. And I just had to sit down. I broke down and cried. I say all that to say this. I think we're all allowed to be mad and upset and angry. I think that's allowed. But I was embarrassed. And I was ashamed. And I was ashamed and embarrassed in myself. Because, you know, my dad's got some health stuff going on. I really didn't like how I thought the world ended on Saturday at 4 p.m. I'm so glad to hear that this gentleman is okay. I, I still miss my friend, but I, I just was very embarrassed and ashamed of myself. So 
we are still allowed, as I told you, Tyler and Shep, we're still allowed to be angry. We can still air our grievances. I'm still going to do that, but I'm also kind of blessed that I saw what I saw on Sunday to make me realize that it is to a degree just a game. Now, we keep losing the game, and that's why we're frustrated, but I feel really bad that I had to see something that extreme to kind of set my perspective. So I'm very glad that that story does have a good ending, and I I do hope and pray that this gentleman is still going to be okay moving forward. But I, I just had to say that. Tyler, we'll lead with you today. I think you had the most – I think you turned the most on Ryan Day. Is, is that you how can, you say that? You can say it. Yeah, you can say yeah. it. I'm going to come at it from the same feelings that I had. I'm just going to try to keep my perspective after what I saw on Sunday. But that does not prevent you guys from saying what you want to say. Trust me. Say whatever you want. Get it out. This is the time to get it out because, like I said last year in a therapy session, if you keep it in, you're paying someone $75 and you're leaving and you're not improved or healthy. So get it out. I don't know if two days has calmed your frustrations or your opinions, good or bad or indifferent. Uh, how are you feeling today? What are your thoughts and what do you need to get off your chest? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously still, you know. Can I can I stop you? I feel so, I feel like such an ass. Oh, I feel like Jim. Martin. My goodness. Yeah, go ahead. Can we open our beers? I know Shep wanted to do that quickly. So can we oh, do that? Joe's already going. started. Let's get those beers going. Yeah, let's crack them. I got a 16 ounce Coors, folks. I need as much as I can get. Tyler, I'll flip it right over to you after I tell you what I'm drinking. So I go into my fridge, cooking dinner, trying to be healthy because, you know, we just had Thanksgiving and I have grilled chicken and vegetables just to try to, again, get it back. And then I look to find a beer for the podcast and I see I have some Sam Adams Oktoberfest left. And then it hits me. Our head coach is the king of October, Ryan Day, because he doesn't lose in October. So I'm drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest in support of the October fun we've had under Ryan Day that turns into late November disaster. I love it. Laughter uh, so, and beer is the best medicine, kids. Well done. That's all we got. <laughs> that's well done. So I am uh, I am abstaining from the beer for this this episode. I had way too many of the beers on Saturday, as you guys may have picked up by my uh, my angry rants through text. Hey, and uh, I drunk words I, or sober thoughts, my friend. Boy, let me tell you, I paid for it. I I had a an unpleasant Saturday night and Sunday early morning, and that hasn't happened in a long time. Um, so I'm I'm. You know what else little, hasn't happened in a long break. time? Us beating Michigan. <laughs> Too true. So no. So as you kind of alluded to, and I just hinted at as well. I I kind of let it. I I let it rip in our group chat uh, as the game kind of waned down and. And everything happened uh, at the end. And I take it all back. Not all. I take most of it back. You know, in that in that moment, there was a lot of upsetness, anger, whatever you want to say. Uh, Ryan Day is not going anywhere. Ryan Day is a great head coach. Um, I think <laughs> it's it's silly to want him gone. Uh, drunk Tyler, that's not a, not a good take. Don't say it again. Because if you go back to the same the same argument that I I put out earlier on in the years, who who's going to replace him? You're not. It's it's not going to happen. He's got some definite issues that he needs to address with his team and the program, and but he's a great head coach. His record alone does speak to that. Um, Don't get me started on the record. I, I wanted I to know. go short tonight. Don't get me started on the record. <laughs> so my my biggest takes, as I've had some time to calm down, and I know that it's hard to it's hard to say this, and it's hard to hear it, and it's hard to think about a couple of these things as Ohio State fans, right? I think. Even though we didn't win the game, 
Don't you moral is, victory me. Don't yeah. you moral victory me. They're going to piss it's off not, Shep and I tonight. It's, not a, it's not a moral victory. If this were any other team that we just played except Michigan, by this time you would start to have those thoughts of, you know, it's it's a loss, but it's not a bad loss. You lost to the number three team in the country. They're a great team. So if this would have been against Alabama or Georgia or Oregon, Washington, whoever, any you'd be mad in the moment. But a couple of days later, you'd be like, you know what? It's not. They still played relatively well. So that's kind of what simmered me down is if you take take off the scarlet and gray colored glasses, it's it's a it's a hard loss to swallow. But you didn't get you didn't get spanked by 20 points for the third year in a row. Um, I got to give Tyler some credit here. Uh, I like credit for the guy that was the most angry. I, I was so upset I didn't even speak. For the guy that was the most angry, he seems to be very calm in nature. At the very at the very moment we sit here, he seems to be the most calm. So, Tyler, I give you props and uh, applause. Except for except for Kyle McCord and Joe, I hope you don't make me sound like too much of an idiot here when when you do some of your takes. But I will. No, say, I bet Joe's I, are not takes. Those are insights I, and facts. Well, uh, Tyler's actually stealing a little bit of my thunder here. He's he's very much <laughs> on the same path where I yeah, man, we should nice. let Joe go first. Um. <laughs> I, th- I think you still got a quarterback problem, and I, I hate to say it because I wanted so bad to root for McCord. We talked about it almost every episode. We all wanted to be in McCord's corner. I just anointed him better than C.J. Stroud. I had to call him. Uh, I, uh, I don't recall that. But <laughs> there were th- – the, the loss is not all on him. I mean, there was a lot even, – still, even though I just kind of circled back on Ryan Day, there's a lot of stuff that happened in that game that you just kind of raise your eyebrows. Like, what are you doing, man? There was some poor clock management. I told – we scored our touchdown with eight minutes left, and the, the folks I was watching the game with were all excited. Well, we just need one stop. Yeah. And it wasn't quite like last year when Brew texted us and said, well, we haven't gotten a stop all game because we had. <laughs> what I said, though, is if there is one team in the United States of America that you could put money every single game that they can burn eight minutes off a clock like nobody's business, it's Michigan. And that's just what they did. And people were ripping Jim Knowles saying you need to – be more aggressive and go after him, but you can't because then Michigan rips one over the over the top and the game's over anyway. So I don't blame the defense for that. But just so some clock management, uh, some less than ballsy calls, not going for it on fourth and one. Hey, maybe the, and, and maybe Ryan Day sat on one of his testicles last week. Like maybe. I maybe I told you that was going to be foreshadowing. I yeah. sat on one of my balls last week, and then the Buckeyes stepped on their wieners on Saturday. Usually when we lose, I rip off whatever Ohio State gear I'm wearing and change clothes and I wash my hands of it for the day. I still had I had our honor defend jersey on that Brew and I got for the Michigan State game. And when I, I went to change later on that night is when it kind of started to to hit me that I was being a little foolish because I took it off and threw it on the ground and got a little sad. I was like, I I've spent the last three weeks admiring this hoodie and liking what it represents and and now I'm throwing it on the on the floor. Now you um, gotta burn it. Joe, what are your initial reactions to uh, your new friend Tyler here and what he had to say? And before Shep maybe steals all of your thunder, talk about your reactions. What are your thoughts on just what you saw from Saturday? Yeah, well, I won't get into the X's and O's part yet, but just a little bit interesting perspective for me is, I you know, I come from a family that's live or die Buckeyes. And, and I think the story that you told at the beginning, Brew, is, was, you know, a great way to put it into perspective. You know, and that's that's how I grew up. Like this is this is what makes the year. This is what makes you know the family gatherings. Um, I got, for the first time, I'm no longer coaching college football, so I've got a lot more free time on my hands. 
being a college football coach for the last 10 years, really removed myself from the rivalry, from the game. Can't really follow the Buckeyes as much. Um, so getting to be back in it this year uh, from a new perspective was uh, which was was really interesting for me. Uh, you know, I was I had the whole family over to watch the game and and I mean, they were they were just every play hanging on every play. And, and it, it was just different for me this time. I, you know, I, I was you know, you, you kind of understand that, um, you know, a lot of stuff that's going on is not necessarily, you know, one person's fault or another person's fault or. Um, and you don't get so emotionally wrapped up in it, which, which I kind of enjoy, but also, you know, I kind of wanted to, I need, I want to get back into the rivalry, like, like the rest of my family and really have my day ruined, uh, if, if things don't go well, but, um, no, it was, it was an interesting perspective. And, and I want, I do want to say this first before I forget, I think what I do think is really interesting at this point is as Michigan put three together in a row here, I think the Michigan fans are starting to care about this rivalry as much as, as Buckeye fans. And I really think for a long time they didn't. And I, I, and I, and I have a fair amount of Wolverine acquaintances, unfortunately. And, and they, you know, you'll have them chirp about a week before the game and then the game's over and you won't hear from them again. But I, I, if you get a chance to see, hear Rich Eisen's take um, after the game, I don't know if you've seen his 20 minute rant, Man, it, it's if anything good can come with this, I do really think that the rivalry is truly back, and that everyone is on both sides is really passionate about it. And I, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's that would be my positive take, you know, from this. From from another take of it, I, I do think that um, the Buckeyes played good enough to win. I I really believe that. I think that you know Ryan Day isn't you know to blame individually. I don't think McCord. I think he played good enough to win. You know, when you're playing at equally match team at their place you gotta have a couple things go their way and there wasn't a single thing that went our way um on saturday i mean you got the touchdown decision that they that they gave to them or you know where it looked like we might have pulled it away last minute they were three for three on fourth down um you know they called the trick play on that last drive to, and i mean it's not Harbaugh making that call, and, and you get you. I don't know if uh, you know someone who's getting paid the big bucks makes that call because if it goes bad, it's really bad. You know, I, I think they just had a lot of things go their way, and it's just really hard to beat an equally matched team when everything's going your way. You know, if we play that game a bunch more times, I, I don't know who wins. Um, so that that was my overall. I don't think it's. I think it's it's so much compounded the the pain and the hurt and the anger because of the two losses before. Uh, and, and this is definitely a better team, I think, than both those those losses. Again, we we I, I think when you're playing on the road against a really good team uh, at their place in a rivalry game, you got to have some breaks come your way, not just be great coaching, great players. And, and that didn't happen for us. I'm I'm a little sad that no one here has gotten angry yet. Like we're we're just mimicking Ryan Day and Kyle McCord. So Shep, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it over to you. I'm you. hoping you bring in some serious thunder because. I was expecting some anger, and right now this just feels like we're having a conversation outside of a chapel. Yeah, I got some stuff for you. So I completely agree that we, we could have won the game. We played very well. Obviously, Joe's going to crush me in X's and O's. The guy was a coach, and you sound like a coach. Pal. Dude, you sound like – it, it was such perfect coach speak. Like, I would have rather heard you than Ryan Day at the end of the game. I feel like I should be offended for that, but I won't. <laughs> no, it was just very much like – you know, there's four or five plays, and it's it's real. That's it's 100. percent There's not a ton that that you can be that upset about. But well, I, I want to say one last thing, Chris, before you get rolling here. I, I do. If you want something to be mad about, and that's that's the whole thing in all this, is you're paying the guy eight million dollars. Dollars. He's got to win. You got to yeah. no matter what the reason is. 
if you're going to get paid that kind of money, yeah, it's unfair to fire a guy after three, you know, three years for, you know, oh, he lost three times right. and he's what did I, but it's also unfair to get paid $8 million. So mm -hmm. if you're going to get paid that kind of money, you got to win. And that's, that's to me, if you're good, any, you know, Marie, or I think Maurice Claret said it today on social media, Hey, yeah. we're going to pay him that kind of money. You got to win it. This is the yeah. heat I want. Yeah, that's yeah. now let's roll. Shep, go. Well, and that's that's kind of where I was going to go because I, I so, you know, I'm i sitting there. I, I even went to the gym after work today. I mean, oh. I really turned my whole life around. It was great. But I don't even uh, know someone that's named Jim in my phone. Much less <laughs> go to the gym. But so I, I didn't have time to, to to really dive into some some different stuff I wanted to, to put down. So I at the gym type some stuff up. So let me let me get going here. Tyler, you're right. We can't, you're not going to fire day. Like it's, you can call him John Cooper all you want, but John Cooper had 12 years to do this, right? 12, 13 years to do this. It'd be very reactionary, uh, especially depending on how much of the, the allegations are true. Uh, you can't let that rip. We've had a deficiency. I think, I mean, not deficiency. That's the wrong word. A step down in quarterback play from what we're used to. I don't mean Kyle McCord can't be good. I still think there's things there. But he, and I ranted about this all year long, because you guys were very much play it safe, play it safe. Like, Brew, I remember one, I don't remember which game it was, before the half we took a knee with like a minute and a half to go. And I and I got on here the next week and said, I hated that. Mm -hmm. This is why I hated that. Because it went, when the, the game called for it, and yes, he had the Notre Dame drive, I know that. But rep, like practice makes perfect on that kind of thing. Even the, the field goal attempt, I know you don't want to give Michigan the ball back, but in what world do we think that 52-yard field goal is a, a good idea? I know he made the kick before that yeah. when they when they froze him, but as soon as he made the kick before that, I go, you knew he missed there's not a one. chance. Yeah, there's yeah. not a chance in hell. You could have and, just brought and, Noah Ruggles back. Hey, Noah, <laughs> can you do a, an impression of your last field goal as a collegiate kicker, please? Yes. <laughs> and so it's that, that kind of stuff hurt. Uh, I, I think – Going forward, and I'll, I'll be really interested, Joe, to hear your take on this later, is I think Ryan Day could use a head coach in the room, a former head coach, just somebody who's been in a situation maybe that can help him through some of these. Because whether it's fair or not, against these top five teams, he's one and six. And it's really, with the exception of the last two years against Michigan, the other ones have come down to the end. And he's had some things not go right. And whether it's his fault or not, I know sometimes you just need a ball to bounce your way, but when you're making $8 million, you got to hope that goes the other way. Last thing I'll say is, you know how much I always talk about the Cowboys and the Buckeyes paralleling each other. <laughs> is is Ryan Day Mike McCarthy in my life? The, the reason I'm saying this, look at the Cowboys right now. They are just destroying the bad teams. Destroying. With, they, I think they'll beat Philly at home because that's just what happens in that rivalry. But the Cowboys will do what they always do. And they'll flame out in the playoffs. But that's also just the Cowboys, not necessarily Mike McCarthy. But you see my parallel here. No, it I, feels I see like it. I'm living the same life. And it's just like, oh, good. Should I get excited? No, I shouldn't. Because it's just going to end the same damn way. It terrifies me to bring this up because I don't want you all to think less of me. But I've been thinking it all week, <laughs> all week, since Saturday. And with what one of, one of the things that Shep just said, it it really concerns me. Uh, again, you can't fire day. It's not going to happen. But I remember in 2017 or 2018, I mean, during the whole stretch where we were dominating Michigan, my favorite thing to do was watch Michigan podcasters, Michigan YouTubers, especially after the game, 
just to watch their world fall apart year after year. Oh, it just that's going to be us. God damn but it. There that's going to be us. There was, <laughs> there was a one in particular where this guy was roasting Jim Harbaugh. Uh-huh. And he said, you know what you, you do when you play inferior opponents, you feast. You just you kill everybody in front of you. But when you get a team that is equal or better than you across the field, you can't get it done. And that was the whole narrative for Jim Harbaugh for a while is in Michigan was like, yeah, you're going to you're going to run the gambit in the Big Ten. And then you're going to choke on choke when you get to Ohio State. and You're going to struggle in bowl games and, and postseason play when you're playing the best of the best. And I always laughed at that. I was like, yeah, what a terrible position to be in as, as a fan to watch your head coach and your team go through. And then after Saturday, I'm kind of taking a look at it. I'm like, we're in year four of Ryan Day, and that's five. what we've had. You're, yeah, yeah. And that's what we've had. We, we've done what we had to do in the Big Ten. We've beat everyone the way that you're supposed to beat them. But when you go up against Michigan or in, in the bowl games, it's been a struggle. Is, is Ryan Day Ohio State's Jim Harbaugh? Are, are we in for five, six, seven years of this before something finally cracks? I had that thought, and don't crucify me. Chet made me think of it. I got. I have plenty to say, and again, I'm going to try to get it off my chest while also trying to do the juggling act of keeping perspective after Sunday. I I really don't want to sound like a hypocrite when I say what I'm about to say, but as I said, when you go to therapy, you're just wasting your money if you don't just be honest with them. Talk about what's going on, and then they can help you. And just by getting it off of your chest and getting it out and speaking it, it 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 lifts a weight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go lift some weights. I don't go to the gym, but I'm gonna lift some weights tonight. My first thought, I think it's an overreaction to say he needs to go in regards to Ryan Day. But at the same time, I would counter with this comment. I don't think coaches get fired for not winning games. I think they get fired for not meeting expectations. Joe, would you agree with that? You're a coach. You were a player. Oh, yeah. Is that fair? I, I would say it's definitely fair. I mean, if you look at you know what happened at Texas A&M. I mean, they right. went like 50 to, 50 to 10, and he's fired the next day or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's- When you get paid that much money, and you're at a program with expectations, you have to deliver because all of a sudden the return on investment is not great. So if, if the beginning of the conversation was Ryan, hey, you know, our expectation is you go one and three against Michigan, then the price tag would have been like one million dollars. Right. Yeah. But when you take over, and again, it might be unfair to him to take over a program who had lost once to Michigan since 2004. That's the expectation. And fair or unfair, that's the expectation. And I was talking about this on Sunday as I was spending some time with my parents. And my mom, God love her. She's like, I just think, I mean, if Ryan Day goes, he's such a nice guy. You can't fire him. I'm like, Mom, I love you. But nice people get fired every day. And my dad was very quick to point out that, you know, you shouldn't feel all that bad for him. Because I I thought he made nine. I heard people say 10. You guys said eight. He's doing fine. Nice people get fired all the time for not doing their job. Don't feel bad for Ryan Day if that does happen. He's going to be okay. He's going to get another job. 
his family is going to be fine and his kids are still going to be able to wear the clothes they need to wear in the correct season of life. And they're still going to be able to go to school and eat dinner at night. If you're going to feel bad for someone that's a nice guy that gets fired, feel bad for the guy who's got three children at home and he makes 40 grand a year. And if he loses his job, that's when you should feel really bad for that guy. So that came into my mind. And then I found it funny, not funny, haha, funny, ironic. That I think there were two acting head coaches on the sideline in Ann Arbor on Saturday. It was Sherwin Williams or whatever the hell his name is. And Ryan Day. Because I, I go back to this record that you guys brought up. He's 56 and 7. He's 40 and 3 in the Big Ten. We all know the three losses. Mm-hmm. He's 56 and 7 at Ohio State. I heard people today, Common Man might have gotten fired today on 97.1. <laughs> they were drinking Hennessy live on the air. I think they might listen to the podcast and took an idea from us. And they skipped a commercial break, and Common Man had to leave and go talk to corporate, and he told him to F off. So I assume he's coming back for the rest of the week. I hope so, because if if he doesn't, this week just got a whole lot worse for Brew. But people are talking about this record, and that's great. I ask each of you very quickly, what's the most memorable win in Ryan Day's tenure at Ohio State? Really quickly. First one that comes to your head. If you have to think about it, that really answers my question. It's got to be the playoff game last year. Playoff game last year. Memorable in a negative way. Oh, that's that's fascinating. Tyler said Clemson, the, the win in the COVID year. Shep, what's yours? I think it is the playoff game last year as well. That's a that's a great call, Joe. I was trying to think of a win, and that's why I was sitting here silent. I was like, I don't there's no win he has that I just go, oh my goodness, this is this is the signature win for him. It's been a bunch of those stub your toe at the last minute, whether it's his fault or not his fault, like the, the playoff game against Clemson. I mean, that's you and I will never get over that one. And I, Joe, I think Joe last, makes a great point. The biggest part of that is we're not having this conversation if they beat Georgia. Like this whole conversation, even if he's lost to Michigan, you have a championship. It's bizarre. Yeah. I, I just, I really like Ryan Day. But again, at some point when you're not meeting expectations, you come to Ohio State as a head coach for one reason. It's to win the game that we've lost the last three years. And at some point, you have to ask yourself, is this guy worth eight to ten million a year to not do the job we hired him to do? And, and I'll ask this question. I know we have 90 seconds left, so again, we have to make it quick. Would you rather be one in three against Michigan and not have any of those bad losses to the Purdue's or the Iowa's, or beat Michigan every year? Make the playoff, maybe stumble, but you're beating your rival every year. You did get a a national championship out of it, but you do have to suffer through those what the hell happened in West Lafayette games. I'll tell you my answer. I'm taking Urban Meyer's 7-0 record. And if you say that the next coach, whenever that is going to be, goes 7-0 against Michigan and he doesn't win a national championship, I'll be okay with it. It'll be weird. It'll suck. But at the end of the day, when the season comes to a close, and you look back at the box scores, you're like, didn't end the way we wanted, but we did beat Michigan. That's what I would want. So I applaud the 40-0 record in the Big Ten. That's fantastic. Urban didn't do that. But you know what Urban didn't do? He also didn't lose to Michigan. 
had a little bit of a longer uh, break in between segments. Shep had to go uh, switch out his laundry, and I had to change my shirt. So in honor of Coach, how he kept changing his name on the Zoom a couple of weeks ago, I've changed my shirt again. Tyler's very interested. This is only funny if I post, post a video because no one will be able to see this if I don't. So Tyler's very intrigued by what my shirt says. Let me just show it to him. It says, make Kyle great once. <laughs> so I, while Shep was changing it from the washer to the dryer, I had to change my shirt. I felt like I was an actor in a Broadway musical. But I, I, I might wear this to work tomorrow. You know, it, it might make some people laugh. Hey, what have I always said? Laughter is the best medicine. If you can make someone laugh, you forget about your own problems. So I find this funny. I do have to tell everyone how I was able to really power through and survive Saturday. Uh, so if anyone is still struggling, I know this podcast will be almost a week old by the time it airs. But a good friend of mine in Ashland and then my brother suggested that I watch a couple of things on Saturday. They were both on the Netflix us. Uh, so I had someone's username and password. So I was told by my friend in Ashland that I should watch the movie No Hard Feelings with uh jennifer lawrence do we do we know the movie or do we know the lady does this ring a bell to anybody have you seen the previews for the movie so i'm a big jennifer lawrence fan okay so all right this might be a conversation for just joe and i tyler you don't even know the movie or have seen the previews for the movie no i, just, I know i know who jennifer lawrence is but i'm not familiar with the movie now shep what about you i've seen the previews and couldn't believe it was a movie I mean, it's it's almost like it's someone that leaked an OnlyFans video out to Marcus Cinemas. But in a weird way, it's actually kind of a wholesome movie at the end, outside of the fact that is this like Virgin's parents are basically paying some girl with a car to just rough his ass up. <laughs> but it's a wholesome movie. You know, I probably wouldn't show it to a small group of church, but, you know, it had a good message at the end. So. I didn't really have an opinion on Jennifer Lawrence before Saturday night at about 5.30 p.m. And I left the movie feeling kind of jealous of this 19-year-old kid depicted in the movie. And I think I've developed a new crush for Jennifer Lawrence. She's a dynamo. So if you haven't seen it, Tyler, maybe don't watch it with your wife. That would be weird. Joe, I know your wife. Maybe she'd be okay with it. Maybe not. Shep, you and I can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> That's kind of like the pro and con of being single. Like the pro is you can do whatever you want. The con is you can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> by the way, Joe, I have to ask you the same question we talked about last week. A buddy of mine brought up the scoreboard on marriage and he said it was a net win. And he said it was like an 11 to 10 victory pro marriage. I ask you this most important question. Screw Kyle McCord. This is why we brought you on. Is marriage a net win to you? And if so, what's your score? Well, I think anyone who's married is, is in a tough situation to answer that question, first and <laughs> foremost. So I don't know how honest of an actual answer you're ever, you'll ever get. But this is something I've pondered before, and, and, I, and I will answer this, and I, I'm, I'm truly being honest here. <laughs> I believe it's a net win. I, I am now 12 years into it. I, was, I will say the longer it goes, the more of a net win it becomes. You know what? I like that answer. What do you think the score is? Because my buddy said 11 to 10. I think Tyler said it was like 16 to 1, right? Something like that? 20 to oh, 1? Oh, it was higher than that. Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, you know, it was it was a tight game early on. But as, you know, we get to the second half, we're blowing it wide open. And, <laughs> and 
you know, it's going to be a blowout in the end. No one really knows what the score is going to be. They stop watching, but early on there was some interest there. So back I'll, to I'll coach speak. Back to coach. <laughs> what, what a coach thing to say. Oh, that's amazing. That's good. So anyway, uh, I think I found the new crush in Jennifer Lawrence. Great movie and really funny. And again, if you can have, get through have you the... seen American Hustle, Matt? No, I haven't. She's fantastic. Do I need to watch that movie too? Oh, yeah, you see. If you have a she... Jennifer Lawrence crush. Yeah, I, I will say this. When it comes to movies, your first impression of an actress really portrays if you like her or have a crush on her. So the reason that I am just I love Mila Kunis. Like I would the the nut that I sat on last week, I would give up the other one just to go out to with her once. Just take them both, ship them up to Cooperstown and just be done with it. I, I, I love Mila, but it's because I saw her in in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and she was sweet to what's his nuts who who just broke up with uh, Sarah Marshall. But that's also why I'm not a fan of Kristen Bell, because she's a bitch in that movie. So my first impression of Jennifer Lawrence is a good one. So I'm all in on Jennifer Lawrence, and now you say American Hustle is a movie. And that was the first movie I saw with Jennifer Lawrence in it. So that that would be great. And and if that made you a fan, I trust Joe. So I'm 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 gonna watch the movie. And I have to admit something. I uh I broke down on Sunday. A little ashamed about that. I broke down on Sunday. And I got Netflix. <laughs> I I got Netflix because, as I mentioned, I, I'd watched a, a movie and a show. My brother mentioned that I said for the longest time, he's like, you got to watch the show Suits. And I had nothing else to do with my day on Saturday. So I I logged into what I had as a username and password for a friend of mine. And I watched that movie with Jennifer Lawrence. God bless her. And then I watched the first four episodes of Suits. I was hooked. I come back Sunday. I also have to tell you another story about how my weekend continued to get worse. And I tried to watch four more episodes of Suits, and I couldn't get logged in. Said I, I wasn't a TV member of the household. <laughs> Freaking Netflix. So I'm desperate. I'm like, I have nothing else right now to look forward to in my life. Seasonal depression kicks in December 1st. I have to watch this damn show. And I'm trying. I'm trying anything and everything. I'm pulling out all of the Connor Stallion stops to get this thing to work. Couldn't do it. And I'm like, I I think, bro, you're just gonna have to just set aside your principles. And I bought Netflix. I. This is what happens when Ohio State loses. People are just throwing away things they believe in for nothing. So now, fifteen forty nine a month comes out of my account. Because Ohio State lost to Michigan. Kyle McCord can't throw a pass to his own teammates. We can't stop anybody on third or fourth down. And now I bought freaking Netflix. So thanks, Kyle McCord. You owe me money. And don't tell me you don't have it because I've seen your damn Dr. Pepper commercials. You have the money. But I also came up with a new uh, another crush. And I feel bad, Joe. I think this person I'm about to say has bumped Jennifer Lawrence from the new brew crushes. Has anyone seen Suits before? Tyler's saying yes. Yeah. Joe's saying no. Shep's no, saying no. Okay. Well, there's a paralegal of the show that is swallow your tongue hot. Dynamo. And I'm sitting there at work on Monday on my lunch break. And I'm like, I just want to know who these cast members are because I've never really seen a lot of these people in any other shows or movies. The paralegal in the mo- in the show is Meghan Markle. Like the the wife of the 
Prince of England or the Jack, whatever, whatever. What's his name? Prince, Prince William? Prince Henry? Harry. Harry, him Harry. too. Yeah. She's married to all of them. She is hot. Like, if, <laughs> if I walked up to her anywhere, I'd have nothing to say. Absolutely. I, I'd swallow my tongue. And I say all of that to compare Ryan Day to me. We're a lot alike. Chef Chef's head is in his hands right now. Oh, that was good. He's already seen two new shirts that Brew's worn, and now he's about to brace himself for Ryan Day and Brew are very similar. And this is why. <laughs> I'm gonna make myself laugh because it's so damn accurate. When when the moment is at its biggest, I fold. When it comes to girls, if if there's just a little bit of interest. I, I'm very close to the vest in my play call. I got nothing to say. I think I'm an interesting person to a degree. I'm also a little boring. But when there's someone that I'm just a little bit attracted to, I'm out. I got nothing. When the moment presents itself, Brew pisses himself. And apparently so does Ryan Day. When the moment gets the biggest, Ryan Day and Brew, shy little 15-year-olds like the boy in No Hard Feelings. That's me. And that's Ryan Day. I love him. He pisses himself in the biggest moments. And and I would then ask this question. Is Ryan Day all talk? And do we care more than Ryan Day? Because I've heard so many times over the last two years, something to this level of we're going to let it rip. We're going to we're going to just come out firing. Step up. I feel like a hypocrite telling Ryan Day to step up when a brunette would walk by me and I'm just like, I'm going to go in the corner and check out the wallpaper. But it just bugs the hell out of me. I, is he all talk? Do you think Ryan Day really changed up a whole lot? Did you think he held anything back in the previous 11 games? And from Kyle McCord's standpoint, is he the guy that can even cut it at all? Because according to my shirt, it's no. <laughs> Offensively, I don't think I saw anything like you know McCord ran for 500 yards or um they had a bunch of trick plays or anything like that you know it wasn't it, it was pretty stereotypical of what they do and, and, and I, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think they've had success I think they got a really good running back I think they got really good receivers and what they've been doing all year they might have done some stuff out of some different formations um you know that that might have helped them in, in some situations but you know I didn't see anything in particular that was like while they had this great play that they've been holding this whole time uh, for for this game. So, Tyler, I feel bad that you were wrong, man. I, w- I was hoping you'd be right, that he was holding all this stuff back. Like, he had a couple of aces that we didn't know about. A couple of quotes. Uh, I like the guy. I really do. I just think he talks a lot and doesn't back any of it up. And at some point, whether it's in a marriage, a relationship, a friendship, or in this case, a football coach, when you start saying a lot of things and don't back it up and deliver, people are going to stop believing you. His quote at the end of the game, I think we have a very good team. We came up short today, and it's devastating, but I believe in our players, and I think we have a veteran team. I do believe that this team can play with anybody in the country. I think there's a huge difference in playing with anybody in the country and beating anybody in the country. We can play with anybody. Northern Michigan, Joe, Division II, 
could come down to Columbus and play with the Buckeyes. They're not going to beat the Buckeyes. Miami of Ohio in the MAC. Toledo. I I told you guys last year I wanted Huckleberry Finn as our quarterback. Mm-hmm. I love that kid, and apparently yeah, he's too. just torching the shit out of the MAC this year. I I got to watch him live, live twice this year, and he's he's fantastic. See, so, he's, he's he's going into the portal on the fourth brew. Is he? Is that our next quarterback? Can if you. If you get me all excited, like Meghan Markle's coming over to play Buck and Bessie fix the stove, and that doesn't happen, I'm going to be pissed, Tyler. No. So, okay. Quick side note. I'm sorry. We, we all know that I, I like recruiting. I like watching who's coming in. I, I get way too into it, and that's why I think Huckle it's more Barry devastating. Huckleberry Finn. The, there are two quarterbacks. And, and, again, I think it's all speculation because if I'm Ryan Day, I'm not touching the portal for a quarterback. With the talent you've got sitting there waiting and the talent you've got coming to campus in January – I think it's risky business, but bring them both. But in. there were two two names that have been reported to be entering the portal when it opens on on the on the fourth. One is what what, what is his name? Dequan DeQuin? Dequan? Yeah, I have no Dequan idea. Finn. Finn. Other, in that fantasy college football league I'm in last year. I don't know. And the name. other <laughs> is the uh, the current backup at Texas, not Arch Manning, but the the yeah, other one, the the, um, the guy that we recruited initially. And when yes. we brought in Quinn Ewers first, he goes to Texas. Thanks, Quinn. So those two names have been linked with Take, they bring have both interests, in. and they could be. But I don't think you do. I don't think with Aaron Nolan coming and, I, the, and, and the quarterback behind him in the next class, it's, now that could change. He's committed now, but who knows? Uh, T, Tavian St. Clair, Tavion St. Clair. I like he's, him all uh, right. Bring him he's in. He's really, really good. Bring him all but in. I don't Peyton think Manning. you touch the portal for Joe, do you have Peyton Manning's phone number? I do not. I, <laughs> I was going to see if maybe you could text. I, 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 do, text I do have I have Frank Reich and Matt Lafleur. That's that's the there top you go. of my list right there. So. Oh, I, well, the I, answer I, I don't know. I, I feel for Frank, by the way. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's good yeah. for him to get away from David Tepper, but my God, oh. that's it's not what you expect when you sign. Jeez. Yeah, very similar to Ryan Day. Frank's a really nice guy, and it's, to be honest, uh, contrary to your mom, Matt, it's really easy to fire nice guys. It's especially in football. Hold on. I almost spilled my beers. I was <laughs> laughing and tried to swallow it. That's what she said. Um, yeah. I, I just wonder if Ryan day is all talk. And Matt, but, I don't want to get you off track here and, and stop me if I do, but the biggest thing with Ryan, I think the biggest concern is, is recruiting at this point. I mean, yeah. You know, quarterback has not been what we've had with with um, you know Stroud and, and Fields and, and even Haskins and and so why and, that, and if you're we're now at the point where these are all Ryan Day's guys and that, you know those other quarterbacks he was playing with were someone else's guys that they brought in yeah. and you know you look at Alabama and they got guys they got you know McCord should be winning a battle against his backups. We should have freshmen in that are better than him. You know, you got, you know, Tua beating out Tua. I'm, 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 I don't know, I'm like uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And, you know, and and why do we not have that situation? And I think yeah. that's to me the biggest concern. If you want to really knock, if, you, if you're going to fire him, that's the reason is why are we not having the depth of the quarterback position? Yeah. Uh, when he's supposed to be this offensive guru. I've said this. I saw Kyle McCord's first ever start at home against Akron inexcusable night game by the way he wasn't good i know he's a freshman he wasn't good last year everyone thought that ryan day was leaving cj in so long 
after blowouts to chase Heisman stats. I think that's partially true, but I think the underlying reason he didn't take CG out earlier is because he knew the guys behind him were not meant to be on that football field. If Kyle McCord is the quarterback, the starting quarterback of Ohio State's team next season, 2024, that tells me that Ohio State has done two things. One, they've not recruited that position well. And two, they have now accepted mediocrity. And what you've become, and remember what we talked about with Coach, about James Franklin and Penn State. Right now, if all of the Big Ten teams are on a bus to Indy to watch the Big Ten Championship, Ohio State and Penn State are sitting right next to each other because they have the most in common. So if if McCord's the guy next year, starting quarterback week number one against a directional school of some state, it's over. It's only going to get worse because, as I said in the last episode, the cupboard's full this year. All of those shiny objects in the cupboard are leaving next year. Harrison, gone. Abuka, gone. Henderson, gone. Williams, dead. Stover, gone couple of the guys on the offensive line that I don't think are that great, gone. Josh Simmons, send him off anywhere. Sucks. He got thrown to the ground by a cornerback on that screen that was a yard short, but then after you watch it in slow-mo, it looked like Xavier Johnson was there and had the line to gain. Josh Simmons got thrown down with one arm by a Michigan corner. Joe, I don't think Doug Geiser would be very happy if that happened to one of his guys at Ashland, right? Absolutely not. Correct. He'd be pissed. And you know who would be very happy? Tim Rose. Tim Rose would be like, yes. Do you, do you know You know the corners coach at Michigan, the defensive coordinator, is an Ashland grad. Who is it? Uh, Steve Klingscale. No kidding. I, I don't know that name, so I don't know why I acted so surprised. But it's an Ashland guy, huh? Ashland grad, All-American at Ashland University as a DB. Coach, cool. Coached me in uh, 2006. Hey, good for him. We There's some good Ashland people around the country. Joe's one of them. I'm not. But... I titled the episode this week, Heir to the Throne. Air Nolan's got to be the guy next year. He's got to be. Kyle McCord is an incredible backup. Air Nolan, bring him in. He's coming in in January. You guys made my weekend when you guys said he was coming in early. I'm all for it. I don't care. Give him whatever number he wants. Whatever Air Nolan wants. Give him a jersey number. Give him a big bag of cash. Give him Kyle McCord's Dr. Pepper contract. Bring him Meghan Markle for all I care. I don't give a shit. Whatever he wants, come in, give him a playbook, at least show him where one of the classrooms are on campus, and get his ass ready for August and September. Because if Kyle McCord is the guy, folks, it's eight and four at best. So it's it's interesting, and I'm actually curious, Joe, to hear your take on this as a as a player and a coach that that perspective. But we look back to the start of the season, and and the talk of off season football was Ohio State's quarterback battle, and who was it going to be? And Ryan Day refused to name a starter. And I think we even talked about this after one of those first weeks that like it was just done in such an unusual way and how they worded it and how they went about it that you almost felt like Ryan Day was just waiting for Devin Brown to step up and take the job. And he never did, which means you're going in with your backup as your starter. And I, to me, you've got your backup playing as a starter. And then when you, would see Ryan Day when the camera would cut to him after one of those mistakes, that it wasn't the look of a coach who was like trying to coach his quarterback through a game. I'm pretty sure there was one that you could even see him 
and he was he said what are you what are you doing like and you could just tell by the look on his face and his expressions and, and how he was you know his, his body language he just was like what what is this kid looking at on the football field and so i don't know i mean joe you you've probably got more insight on that than us couch quarterbacks but it, as a coach, if if you don't have the starting in in the season, the transfer portal is closed. You can't do anything, and you've got a guy that you thought was going to be better and didn't quite take that step, and you're stuck with a guy who's not quite what you're looking for. I mean, is that is that possible that that could happen at at a, at a school like Ohio State? Well, I, I think the answer is it shouldn't. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, Urban Meyer winning national championships with his third string quarterback. You know, that's the the room that's the room that gets you fired. Like that's the room that you gotta you pay as much money and you put as much scholarship money in every good guy. And it, and it's a balance, right? Because you like you say you lose viewers to I mean to Texas, you lose freaking Joey Burrow to LSU. But that's the kind of talent you gotta be bringing in. Ohio State is losing their backups and winning national championships right now to other places. Like that's but that's how much talent you have to have in that room to be successful at this level. The only team that has been able to get away with it, I think is Georgia because they have such a great running game. Um, but you have, I mean, it's all that position. And I mean, that you look at the, the guys that have had, I mean, CJ or, you know, Stroud is probably should be the MVP of the NFL right now. And, and he was starting for us last year. And I, I think that's, like I said, now this is all Ryan Day's fault. All these guys are his guys. There's no one to blame but him at this point. And, you know, the fact that you're in a quarterback battle, and it's not with two NFL, you know, prospects, that's a problem. Like you, see, you look at Alabama, they're bringing in freshmen and they're beating out the starters for the job. And those starters are getting drafted in the first round. So that's that's where you got to be to be compete at this level, the highest level of college football. And and we we definitely aren't there. And it's a long road to get back to that, unfortunately. Shep, I know uh, in the tweet that I shared with you, Tyler and Coach, about, I guess, Kyle McCord's message to the team. First of all, have you guys seen the pregame dance moves that he does that Ohio State puts out on their social media? He's got to stop that shit, man. Like, dude, first of all, you don't have rhythm. Stop. <laughs> let let the guys that do have it do it. Go drink a Dr. Pepper. Go read, I don't know, White Fang. Stop with the dance moves. But his message to the team was, let's not turn the ball over. Let's don't lose this game. And I remember as a young kid, what you put out there is what's going to happen. It's it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the way you say things and how you speak is very important. People don't realize how important what you say is. And what his message was is plain not to lose. Michigan and, and I'll give this guy's credit. I won't say funny name, but it's Sharon Moore, correct? That's the coach's name that beat us, the acting head mm-hmm. coach, one of two on Saturday. Yep. Sharon Moore came out, and to use Tyler's line, he whipped it out, and he just wanted to see if his was bigger, and it was. They were playing to win. We're going to show that we're the aggressor, and we're going to push the pedal down. So, Shep, I, I know you were the one that responded. Michigan played to win. They did. Ohio State played not to lose, and and they did. They lost. What are your thoughts on that? Isn't that what Ryan's done with Kyle all year, though? I mean, that's that's the way he's coached him most of the years. Let's get him. In, I mean, and good on him if he knows the kid doesn't have the talent to be what he's had in the past. And I think everybody who's watched sees that. 
he's put he's tried to put him in the best situation. So I understand that. But it, this is a game where if you if you if you don't take a couple shots here or there, I mean, I felt like Marvin was invisible early on in that game until then he throws the pick to him. And it's like we we gotta find something here. Uh, you know, you just think of a couple misses here or there. And yeah, I even felt like, yes, the first drive, Abuka has to make that catch. And who knows what happens if he makes that catch, yep, right? Now absolutely. all of a sudden, you've got a first down, you've got momentum. But I didn't like going run, run, pass. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to pass the ball on second down. And I know that that's nitpicky, but I think you got a guy in Comic Court making his first Michigan start in a hostile environment. Get him that easy one. You could come right back at me and say they got him the easy one on third down. And Abuka's got to make a catch on a ball that was a little behind, but very catchable for who's yeah, very catchable. You know, first round pick in the NFL. So Joe would have made that catch ten times. No, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no you would have. You would have. This is a guy that had six touchdowns against Lake Erie our senior year. I I think he would have made the catch. Not just six touchdowns. Was it four receiving, one rushing, and a and a kickoff or a punt return for a touchdown? Is that what it was? Yes. Yep. See? Thank you. I'm going to hire you as my personal hype guy there, Matt. Got gotcha, you, man. Awesome, man. That's Chief Hype Officer. I already have one for myself. His name is Mark. So you're right, though, Shep. Whip it out, man. Whip it out. We compared this game in terms of most impactful and maybe the biggest game ever in the rivalry to 2006. Think of the plays that were made in that 06 game. Were they tentative and a little passive and a little scared? No. They were come out and we're going to hit you in the mouth, and both teams were doing it. You did have the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback there. You, so, but I, yes, I'm with you in terms that's of, a big in difference. Terms of philosophy, yeah. But if you've got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, but like, that lets you take some of those shots earlier. I mean, you have to make big plays in big games if you want to win. If you're going out there, oh, we just don't lose this game. Golf. Golf reference. The worst thing you can do as a golfer, when you step up to a tee, and you see a water hazard or a bunker, if those are things that plague you as a golfer, the only thing that you cannot do is say, don't hit it in the water. What are you going to do? You're going to clunk that baby right in the pond. I remember it's a mental thing. It's a mental shift on how you think and how you speak to yourself from the mental side of sports. We had a little uh, stream, or it was more of like a drainage ditch in our backyard. I would go in my backyard, and I would look over the pond. I would completely ignore it. And when you stop looking at how you can fail, all of a sudden you become more successful. I de- I think that Michigan just really was a more physical team. Uh, like you said I, I think they that and in the end, you know, that's this kind of game. That's who's going to win that game. And, and you could just you just feel the tentativeness a little bit. I, I don't know if it was the tentative became. We Ohio State had the tentativeness because they got hit in the mouth so quick, um, and they were they just were not ready for that physicality of the game. And, I, and again, that's I feel like that's happened a couple in the last you know three years with Ohio State. That's that's the other knock on Ryan Day. If we talk about the recruiting, but then the next thing is the the physical ready to play for this game. Uh, Michigan has always seemed to have the upper hand in that that department. But I, I think, it, especially you talk about those fourth and ones, like they're converting fourth and ones, that's a physical toughness thing. That last drive where they go for eight minutes, that's a physical toughness thing. Yeah. We talked last year after we lost about the whole born on third and thinking you hit a triple quote. The quote that we'll remember, or at least that I'll remember from this year's game came from Roman Wilson. He made the quote about, you guys just aren't tough. Because you're walking in and 
$6,000 suits and wearing a Louis V purse and, and a shiny watch and, and then expecting to be tough. And what really sucks for Ohio State fans and their players and their coaching staff and anybody else is those, you know, you cheated to beat us the last two years. We have to take all that now because we didn't do it when they weren't quote unquote cheating. And the whole toughness thing is still going to be questioned, as Joe said, and the physicality is going to be questioned. And maybe your will to really want to go out and punch someone in the mouth. I don't think we have that. They were going into the tunnel at halftime, and someone reported that no one was saying anything walking to the locker room except Jack, Jack Sawyer. So, and Jack's the Columbus guy. He knows he's a Pickerington kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, folks, as Ohio State fans, don't argue because until we show that we're tougher, we're the Louis V's and we're the guys on third. I mentioned in the episode that laughter is the best medicine. And when you're laughing, you forget your own pain for a little bit. So <laughs> I just want to remind everybody, or at least maybe bring awareness to the fact that Ohio State lost to a team that rosters a guy with the last name of Orgy. We lost to that to that team. <laughs> The, the backup quarterback, who looked damn impressive in his a couple plays, his appearance, we lost to a guy with the last name of Orgy. So we just got to take it, I guess. And I, I think that's what happens at an Orgy, too. I I will be the first to say that to the spoils go to Victor, not a Michigan reference, but when you are, when you are on the winning side, especially of a, a heated rivalry, you, you get to you get to clap back. You get the last word. And we, we've had one of those. We had Jim Harbaugh's born on third base comment. We had their previous offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, who started the whole, they're a finesse team. They're not a physical team. And we've been living with that for three years. And I understand that the winner, the winner gets to make those comments. The loser has to deal with it until the next year. But I've always said that Michigan is the most classless program when it comes to those comments. And, and this year just really marks that. Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson had three catches for 30 yards, maybe. His biggest contribution was a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. And I will die on that hill. I will fight anybody. That was not a touchdown. At the very worst, that was a, an incompletion. But it was an interception. That should have been on the 20-yard line going the other way for the Buckeyes. So if Roman Wilson would have had a six-catch, 150-yard, three-touchdown night, then you, you get you get to talk a little bit. But the dude didn't do anything and then gets all the way that he is. And that, again, I know that you've got to deal with it, but that, yeah, you make a good I, point. It lit I, me up when I saw that. I, I thought Shep just had enough and left. <laughs> yeah, got, I, I think I thought I finally sent him over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, man, we, we, we sent him over. He's done. He's out. <laughs> Laptop's dying. That's funny. Um, just like our season. It's dead. It's over. Dead. Did, did oh. you see these people, by the way, talking on social media about could the Buckeyes sneak in again? What oh, are we doing? No. Like, that's the world we want to live in as Ohio State fans where it's, oh, we can't beat our rival, but maybe we can get lucky. No, go win the damn game. I, I'm so sick of that. That's <laughs> I saw that today and I, I started, laughed at first, and then I got angry because I, I started to think, like, 
is this our mentality? And is this, and it honestly got me concerned because how many times have we talked about, we're going to make the playoffs every year with Ryan day because it's going to go to 12 teams. (laughs) Is being the 10 seed good, going to be good enough at that point? No, this is why we're friends, man. I was so boiled up before and I was hoping someone else would just be like, you know what? F this. And then they just go off on a rant. Yeah, that pisses me off. At some point, these Louis Vuitton wearing Rolex sporting college athletes have to realize that losing the game is impactful and there is repercussions to losing that football game. We at Ohio State cannot set the precedent of if you lose to your rival, it's not a big deal. We might still be able to make the playoff. No. If you're not good enough to beat your rival, you're not good enough. You do not deserve to go to the final four and lose to Georgia thanks to Noah's struggles. You don't deserve it. It wasn't earned. You want to back in every year and then hope that, you know, we're going to let it rip. No, go to the orange bowl, get your vitamin C lose to Louisville. And we'll see what six and six is going to look like next year. I want to go back to that, the touchdown play. And I'm curious, Joe, I want to hear your thoughts on that. The, the Roman, you know, the, the catch that may not have been, I'm convinced that if that didn't happen in the end zone, Tyler might have got his wish, but because it happened in the end zone, it, or, or, or am I just nuts there? It felt so weird, and it was – A, there were just so many weird plays in that game. So to go back to kind of how you started, there really were a play or two that if it just went our way, it may have gone differently. But it, am I completely crazy there, or if had that been in the field of play, it might have gone a little different? No, I, I think it's a lot clearer interception if there's no goal line uh to in the in the play because in in, you know i know tyler wants to fight me but as far as i'm concerned he had possession as he crossed that goal line even if he doesn't complete the catch through the goal line uh at that point it's it's a touchdown for for michigan and um so but yeah uh, these referees would definitely view that in a much different light should have that been on you know just a regular down and distance out in the field yeah and that's why we have very much like the the worst gambling loss of my entire life. If everybody remembers that Seahawks Packers replacement ref game, whichever team lost yeah. on that simultaneous catch, I lost. It sucked. I was in college, biggest loss of my life. It, it really taught me a gambling lesson. You bring that up, and I think that was a beautiful transition by a former ESPN guy. <laughs> I I don't like the one uppers of the world. Like, oh hey, I just got a new promotion. Oh great, I just bought a new Mercedes. Dude, let the guy enjoy his new promotion. But since you brought up the the worst loss in terms of your gambling, I I might I might have you beat here. I, I won up a lot of people. My my COVID year sucked. And if you want to hear that story, we'll talk about that in the offseason. Actually, it is the offseason. I don't have a favorite NFL team. My favorite NFL team is my fantasy team. I had guys You're playing beat me when I when I try to one up you in a second, but go ahead. <laughs> We're just going to have a pissing contest of who had the best or the worst weekend when it comes to football. So I went in to the 4 p.m. window Sunday with a 50-point lead in fantasy against a team that's won three games. Three. I also had Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, and James Conner all play. I went up against... Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Devontae Smith, and the Buffalo defense. I was up 50 going into the 4 p.m. window. I was up 22 points 
with five minutes left in the Eagles and Bills game. Patrick Mahomes proceeds to take two kneel downs to lose two yards. I lose a point. My buddy, I was watching the Browns game with him. I was sitting right next to him. He's like, dude, I have a 1% chance to win this matchup. No, you don't. I don't know about Yahoo's numbers, but they're they're high on something. I said, if Josh Allen throws a touchdown to Gabe Davis, that's a minimum of 11 points. Forget the yardage gained. It's 11 points. Four for a passing touchdown, one for the catch, six for the score. It's 11. So it was 133 to 111. Mahomes takes the two knees. He loses a point because he went under 10 yards rushing. It's 132 to 111. They're at the three-yard line, the Bills. And I'm thinking, you've got Stephon Diggs. You've got Dalton Kincaid. You've got James Cook on a little play-action bootleg. Gabe Davis is your deep guy. They throw a slant to Gabe Davis. And I'm like, and I'm trying. It's not my house, so I can't act the way I want to act because I'm pissed, man. I'm like, God damn it. So... I'm up now 132 to 126. I'm like, all right. The problem is Devontae Smith had four catches for 67 yards. So with three yard catches, two points. I'm like, all right. You just can't be targeted. So then like the second play of the ensuing drive, he catches like a 17 yard pass. That's three points. Like son of a bitch. So it's now 132 to 129. I'm seeing myself just piss away a win, just like Ryan Day, because we're so similar. And I'm like, this is just bullshit. So I'm up three. I'm like, all right. I have hope. There's a little bit of hope here. And then Jake Elliott in the rain in Philadelphia from 59 yards does something that Noah Ruggles couldn't do, does something that... uh, Jake Fielding could do. He makes a 59-yard field goal in the rain to send it to overtime. And I'm like, if he makes his field goal, I lose. Josh Allen then goes, gets the ball, has like a 17-yard rush. That's two more points. So I'm up one now. Completed a five-yard pass. I'm now tied. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I'm tied. 132 to 132 after the Buffalo field goal. Keep in mind, he has the Buffalo defense. They've given up 31 points. No. Yes, 31 points. They're down. The Philly team is down 34 to 31. I told myself, if Devontae Smith just makes one catch for six yards and Philly scores a touchdown, I win. No. He makes another 16-yard catch, that's two points, and then like a 14-yard catch, it's two more points, and then Jalen Hurts scores the touchdown. They uh, uh, subtract three, and I lose by three. By the way, James Conner sucks because I also had 60 points of my wide receivers alone on my bench. It's like having Tommy Eichenberg and Denzel Burke and Devin Brown available to play, but they're not going to play, and I lost. And I was a sportsman because I told you I learned my lesson in high school. I was like, hey, good win, man. And I went home. I bought Netflix because the password didn't work. My weekend in sports, man, really sucked. It was a rough weekend there, bro. Yes, it was a bad weekend for me. The sun did come up 
And I'm glad I saw what I saw to set my perspective. But man, it really, you're allowed to be angry. And I, good God, was yours worse? Mine was probably less torturous. Um, the, first off, this is such a nobody cares about our, your fantasy team moment, I but know. it's also the most relatable thing in the world. So because I'm, I, I am a little bit of a degenerate at times, I have a, a fantasy college football league I've been in for about five, maybe seven years now. And I've won the league twice. Looked like I was about to win it again. I was 11-0 and 0 going into the playoffs a week ago. Uh, so not this past week where Ohio State hey, you're, lost. but You're like Ryan Day, too. Literally. <laughs> I lose 241.81, those damn fractions, to 241.38. If you're scoring at home, I lost by 0.43 points. And that's how my perfect season ended. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's why I don't need the fractional points, man. Okay. Well, I was sick about it. What would you rather have? Losing by less than a half of a point thanks to fractions or technically decimals or me just getting just bent over the kitchen sink and just what i'm up 50 with one one game left and i had three players it's not like i was hoping they wouldn't do it i had my own guys james connor had six points you know how hard it is to get six points in a full point ppr it's impossible <laughs> So I pissed myself in fantasy, just like Ryan Day. I sat on my ball sack last week. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Brew. We had mentioned, and Shep just asked Joe about the, would it have been maybe a pick in the field of play versus the end zone? Great question, Mr. ESPN. Very well done. Leads me to this observation. As I was watching the game live and going through the emotions, I started to get the feeling that I think the coaching staff thought that the referees were going to be on their side to help them take down the cheaters. It felt like we were just bitching and moaning and expecting them to just gift wrapped us these 50-50 calls when the refs have their own job to do, and that's to call a game. Now, I'll contend that they were bad overall on both sides. Calls that were missed, calls that were made that shouldn't have been, reviews that took way too long. I don't think the refs had a great day. But I just got the feeling that Ryan Day and some of the coaching staff were expecting it to be a 12 on 11 and the refs were on their side and they were surprised when it wasn't. The referees are not on anyone's side. I've never been, Joe, I probably told you this when I was doing Ashland games. I, I heard so many people come up to me and maybe you heard it too from fans. Dude, the refs cost us that game. No, they didn't. The refs do not cost you a game. Maybe other than the Ohio State-Clemson game in 19. But if you really know the sport and you watch the game, you can find ways that the team lost the game. And I just felt that Ohio State had this expectation that it was going to be the, the scarlet and gray and the black and white versus the maize and blue. And that just bugged me. Like, Ryan Day showed more emotion and more passion and more anger towards the referees than to the game itself. First of all, Joe, what are your thoughts on that? And then two, my, my question to you is simply for Ohio State on the offensive side of the football, from a play calling standpoint, a quarterback standpoint, simply what's next? Well, as, as your first question, you know, I, especially when you're on the road, you, you, you expect to lose a game that's going to be 
you know, that's close, right? If you, if you decide that you're not going to control the game from beginning to end and you're going to leave it up to chance as a, at any, really at any point in time as a football coach, you, you're going to lose the game. And that's what happens. You deserve to lose the game. So you want to find ways that you can control a game, whether it's with creative play calling, whether it's just by being more physical than the other football team, uh, great special teams, any, any of those ways, you have to find ways to control the game. Um, you know, when that happens, especially when you're on the road, I mean, you're going to lose. And, and that's what happened. You know, I, 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 th- I just think overall, Michigan controlled the game. They, they were the, and, and Ryan Day said in his press conference, they won the turnover battle. They ran, they won the rushing battle. And um, this rivalry, the more physical team is always going to win. And that's what happened, I think, on, sat- on, on Saturday. So um, I, I, I do think overall, McCord, uh, played well. They, after all that we've said and, and all that stuff, I, I think he played well enough to win. You know, you look at how he's played this year. He's been very tentative at times. I think he's really held the ball longer than he needs to. Unsure of where he needs to go with it. I think he's talented enough. I think he's got the arm talent that, that you have it to be, you know, a, a top-tier quarterback, but his decision-making is just – there's just some uncertainty there. And and Michigan, if you listen to Marvin on his press conference after the game, mentioned the fact that he saw some coverage that he hadn't really seen before. Um, that was unique and, and, and really gave him fits. Um, you know, I went back and watched another game today just to kind of see what he was talking about. And, and they always had he, they always had safety help wherever he was at. Whether they're basically the two things they were doing was they were playing cover two, um, which is just again basically you got two high safeties playing the deep, and you got everything underneath the corners, the linebackers are all playing tight. Um, and so they wherever he was at, they always had a safety over top, even if they were playing just pure man coverage where you got one safety. Usually, usually that safety plays in the middle, middle of the field. Um, and they, in that game, he would play over Marvin in a lot of situations. I didn't watch every single play, but in the, the situations I lo- looked at, he was always over Marvin when they were man coverage. So that allowed that corner to really play aggressive on the pick, the first pick of the game. Um, you know, it, it looked like cover two. or And um, the, what, what I believe McCord was supposed to do is hand the ball off if the linebacker the boundary linebacker chases the run. He you got that run action there. And if that run, linebacker, I'm sorry, if he doesn't chase the run, he's supposed to hand it off. If that boundary linebacker chases, then he's supposed to pull it. And there's a void there for him to throw it to Marvin. Um, but you're expecting zone coverage in that instance. And that time they had man with that cover two look. That safety was way over top. And I think that confused Kyle or McCord a little bit. And, you know, th- then that's to me, that's the worst play of the game for him. You know, if you, if you pull it to throw it and they got you, they, they, they tricked you into pulling it and making that throw. You got to sail it, sail it out of bounds and let it rip. Instead, he tried to force it in there. Marvin knew at that point he wasn't supposed to throw it. And then against Marvin, like Marvin gave up on the play. He, he, he knew he was beat. He knew we shouldn't be th- forcing the ball in here. And he stopped running his route. And um, to me, I think that's probably the worst play of the game right there. Was anyone else, Tyler, I know you love recruiting. Shep, you and I are the TV and the radio guy. Was anyone else just fascinated as all hell by what Joe just said? I, You know what I want to do? I want the four of us, just the four of us, to watch a game together and just it'd be like a Joe cast, a, a Joe Horn cast. And, and we it. just sit there and just let Joe tell us what he sees because from a, from a, a recliner or a radio or TV booth, looks a lot different than a coach and a player booth. That was fascinating as hell to me. 
So well done, Joe. This is why, oh, this is why I brought him. It My wife actually... would love that, so that way I wouldn't do it. I just talked to her about it the whole time. She'd love to tell her that she wants to hear it. That'd be great. We're going to add another point to the win <laughs> column on the marriage. Bring Joe to watch a game with us so Allie doesn't want to hit Joe during. That's all we're going to do. Shep, I'll ask you this question, then Tyler, I got one for you. Joe, you brought up the point that Michigan just didn't punt. The number was over the last three years in the second half, Michigan has punted once. Wow. Once. Awful. I don't like being the guy that's always reactionary. We've talked a lot about the offense. We've talked a lot about the, maybe in my opinion, the ineptitude of Kyle McCord. But at the end of the day, the defense didn't change that much either. Didn't bring the fifth guy. And like Joe said, all of you guys have said, at the end of the day, when it's eight minutes left, I, honest to God, felt confident when we scored with Mm -hmm. eight minutes left. I truly thought this year with this group of guys and this team, that was the year we were going to get the stop. And I was wrong, man. And I was fooled. I'll ask your reaction and thoughts on the defense. And then we'll go to Tyler on my last point for Ryan Day. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, it was a defense that was built to stop this is what they, they told us all year. We didn't have the pass rushers that that we've had, the generational guys. It's it's a shame. Like, we love Sawyer. He's, he's, he's a hometown kid, but he never became the number one overall player that he was recruited as he's a good player, but he's not a Bosa. He's nope. not a chase young, anything like that. And we talked about it with JTT so many times with take Penn state away. And when does he make big plays? It just doesn't happen a ton. So they don't have, so there's your point about the bringing five at, at times there, but we're not a, we're, we've never been a great run stopping defense. And it just hasn't been that way this last couple of years. And especially this year, but I did feel it was going to be different too. I Joe Joe, you said it earlier. Like you got to take a risk. At that point, you have to take a calculated risk. And you know we've been a bend but don't break at times. Well, they bent and bent and bent, and it didn't break because breaking would have been giving up the touchdown. But it bent so much you couldn't. You know you just didn't have much time for 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 Kyle McCord to, to drive down the field and put you put him in a tough spot. You've got a quarterback like that. That's you know it's not CJ. It's not it's not Justin. It's it's not one of those guys that you you expect to make the big play with the ball in their hands at the end. But I, I think the easiest summary of the entire thing is just they're tougher than us. It's real. We've said it all year. We were worried about it all year. We're talking about how we can't get home, whether it's with four or or if you bring extra guys. Michigan knows who they are and knows what they can do. And they they, they said, let's go pressure Kyle McCord at the end and force him to turn the ball over, and they did. Ohio State forced on defense 11 turnovers all year. 11. I don't know if some of you guys out there are bad at math. That's less than one per game. Now, I think we three need, of those were for Bland. touchdowns. That's who we need. My guy, Deron Bland. <laughs> no kidding. I also read today that Ohio State in the turnover margin was ranked 76th in the country. And in their nine Big Ten games they played this year, they lost the turnover battle in five of them. We talked earlier about the rest of the Big Ten Ohio State beats. And that's not a problem. Ryan Day's not lost to a team other than Michigan in the conference. In a weird way, it's almost incredible that he went 11-0 and with the numbers that I just mentioned. 76 in the country in turnover margin? Awful. You lost the turnover margin to subpar teams in the conference five of nine times? Ridiculous. And to only force 11 turnovers on defense? There's got to be a balance. There's got to be a balance between not giving up the big plays and not just being a pushover that is not going to take that calculated risk and if nothing else, bring a fifth guy. There's got to be a happy medium somewhere. 
not to be confused with Happy Gilmore. Last thing before I said this was going to be short. It's not short. And, you know, famous last words. I'm like Ryan Day. I'll talk. Last thing. I asked Joe about the play calling. What's next? Do we do we remember at the beginning of the season? We were talking about Ryan Day giving up play calling duties to Brian Hartline. Did Brian Hartline call one play this year? In 12 football games. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I guarantee you, I'd put my money on it. Brian Hartline didn't call a single play this year. Tyler, it, it's your boy. Uh, you were you were hard on him Saturday, and, and now you've you've softened. What's your what's your hunch? What's your gut on who, if anyone else other than Ryan Day called plays this year? No, it was 100 percent him all year. He didn't give it up. Um, at the end of last season, when they named Brian Hartline the coordinator, uh, it was talked about, and reporters and, and Ohio State beat writers even just straight up asked, "Day, are you giving up play calling, or how's that going to look with with uh, Hartline? Is he going to be up in the booth? Is he going to be down on the field?" And it was always Ryan Day's typical vague, "Oh, you know, we'll see how it goes. We got a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and we'll we'll take it in stride and coach talk." Um, but it didn't. It didn't change. It was all Ryan Day play calling uh, all year long, and and I think that's the problem. And like I said with my initial rant of him, even though I softened, he's got he's got to figure some stuff out this off season. He's got to make some changes, and I think that's one of them. I think this is now the the third year in a row that it's really compounded that you can you can just tell like you need to be a head coach on game day. You need to be a game manager. You gotta you gotta relinquish that task. And if Brian Hartline's not the guy, which I I can't imagine he's not, I, he's got to be. He's he's a great coach. He's good at what he does. But if he's not the guy, then you got to find somebody that is that's a good offensive coordinator that you can trust to make the play calls and and get it done. Because you look at all the coaches that we're not belly aching about, uh, the, the ones that are always in national title conversation. Uh, Nick Saban, very smart. He was much we had to say at Jim Harbaugh. They've got an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. They let them do their jobs. They're still involved in key decisions and, and what have you, but they're letting their guys do their jobs. And I think that's definitely something that he needs to address and, and make a, a big change to because it's very evident that it was still his his game plan, his play calls, good or bad. That's that's what it was. All right, Shep, you get your last word. We'll, we'll end with uh, the other Joe Horn, as we deemed him earlier. What's uh, how will you leave this podcast feeling a little bit better? What, what's your last thing you want to get off your chest tonight? You know, this was this was therapeutic in a way. I'm, I'm a little more upset than I was before we got on the pod, if that makes sense, because I just was so distracted by the first day after Thanksgiving back at work that you're just you're kind of in the zone. You're like, all right, well, life goes on after the holidays when you're back to work. But at the same time, I think it's always good, in, in, especially in a a big loss to get it off your chest and then be able to try to, all right, on to next year. Here we are. But it, I don't know. And I know August will change my opinion on this and we'll be very excited for that first weekend. And, you know, me making a, a making it at least a once a year, if not multiple now that I live in Ohio out to the shoe uh, after making my debut. And maybe that's what I take away from this is that's what this season was for me is I, I got to finally experience that you and I got to reconnect and see each other in person yeah. for the first time in 11 years. But it's just going to get hard to get excited 
maybe not opening day because opening day is, is the best, but it, 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 I feel like a Cowboys fan right now. And I, I am, but I, this is what ma- it's making me feel like is when the losses happen that are crushing and the season ends, you just go up. That's yeah. I could have told you that was going to happen. This is what, what we've had. It's just normal now. And I, I don't like that feeling. The fact that it's becoming normal and just, that's not good. That's not a good place for this program to be. Yep. I've started a new tradition. Uh, the day after Ohio State loses to Michigan, I start to figure out how to put up my Christmas tree. Joe, I, I wish we could have had you on again to talk about in better circumstances, just football in general. What's the last thing you would like to say in your first year as a non-football player or coach after watching this game? What's the last thing that you can say to get off your chest to maybe make it easier for you to move forward? As a, as a newly, uh, again, rabid Ohio State fan, I think he's got one more ch- shot at it. I think if he loses next year, I don't, I don't yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's it for him. So uh, it really magnifies. We're at home. Um, and, and like you mentioned, there's a lot a lot of pieces leaving here. So they got to have a phenomenal year of recruiting. It'll be interesting to see if they go into the transfer portal to try to find those quick fixes to save his, his job. And I don't know if he feels about it this way, the same that I do, but I, th- I think he'd be naive not to. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how he goes about this offseason to see if that pressure is mounting on him. And because um, it's going to be real. If they, if they lose at home next year, uh, it's a, <laughs> it'll be a very interesting podcast. Yeah, <laughs> to, to say the least. Oh, my God. I might have to apply for the explicit license if that happens. My last thing will be this. I'm still very upset at the people that are going to be surprised that we lost that game to Michigan. So I'm going to talk to those people that had way too lofty of expectations coming into this year. And it's not going to go back to pessimistic brew. It's just going to try to set a realistic expectation. Because what did we talk about earlier? I don't believe that head coaches get fired for not winning games. I think they get fired for not meeting expectations. So for anyone out there that is completely shocked that Ohio State didn't beat Michigan this year, I'm going to set a very accurate expectation level for next year. Kyle McCord, we saw what he was with a full cupboard of talent. You saw Kyle McCord with a bunch of, I would argue, first or maybe second day draft choices. Remember, C.J. Stroud, they always said he makes guys better. And I think he did. Still unfortunate he didn't beat Michigan, but now I think we might know why he didn't to a degree. Kyle McCord looked like this with these guys. Generational talent in Marvin Harrison. It's amazing that him and C.J. Stroud don't have gold pants. I contend these kids still want all these nice, cool things. I say we start giving them out gold panties every time they lose to Michigan. He's losing Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Cade Stone. If you think for a second that next year is going to be 11-0, you're insane. And if you expect them to beat Michigan next year, I'm not going to talk to you. Because I don't talk to people that are insane. Because if you believe that, your new nickname coming from me is Urban Meyer's cousin, Bourbon Meyer, because you're drunk. You're completely hammered. Joe said they need to have an incredible offseason in recruiting to maybe right this ship. If they just have a mediocre year and you think that they're going to beat Michigan next year or do anything of substance 
in the college football playoff committee's eyes or even in the Big Ten, you're Bourbon Meyer. And if you're shocked and you come up to me, I don't know how we lost that game. I'm just going to walk away from you. And I'll finish with this. I remember that my perspective changed from what I saw on Sunday. The sun will come up tomorrow. It will be a new day. But if Ryan Day doesn't win next year, it will be a new day and we will have a new coach. Well, that about wraps it up, folks. Thanks to my company today. For Chris Shepner, Tyler Reed, and Joe Horn, I'm Matt Brubaker. The soundtrack for the show is brought to you by PremiumBeats.com. Please like, subscribe, and follow me on the Twitter machine, personal at MattBrew3, the show at Brew & Company. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, life isn't about the people you meet, but about the company you keep. Until next payday, cheers.